I guess that we've been in the club for a while, but like, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like like us in bonus early, we're usually like not super close to the community as I see the other members mm -hmm. in the community being there. So like I've, I've always like seen you and, and a few other people like huge representatives of what the club is. I see myself differently in the club just because I came what I perceive as late in the club, right? There was already so many um, well-founded relationships and friendships before I kind of came into the club. Um, I just feel like I fit a niche that helped um, with some of the technical stuff and and uh, kind of a, a role that no one else is really filling, like gifting people and <laughs> photoshopping people. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a role some people would say wasn't necessary, but... <laughs> So I was looking at your presence in media, like your channel. I think you have two and then you have your podcast and all, and all that. I want to touch on all of that, but I have a, like an icebreaker activity. Yep. So it's a word association, but it's really game association also. Like um, I have 10 words. So I'll tell you one of the words and then you can tell me the first game that comes to mind. Are you okay doing that? Yep. I have to tell you, I already thought about them though, because I'm terrible at thinking on the fly. <laughs> First word is memory. See, like I said, I'm terrible. I, I'm gonna go with braid because it's just the first game that kind of thinks makes me think of you know repeating the past, that kind of thing. Next word is vintage. <laughs> I don't know, Commander Keen. Let's just say. Next word is omen. Um, let's go with mist. I don't know why that my that word came to mind, but. Next word is family. Uh, uh, Skylanders Swap Force. Playing that with my wife and son. Next one is luck. PUBG. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is destruction. Uh, Burnout 3, probably. Next one is silly. Silly. Um, Scribblenauts. Next one is community. Trying to think of something that the club played well together or a lot of people got together. And honestly, Burnout 3 reminds me of that because there was a lot of competition and a lot of people talking about it. Next one is Thrifty. Half the game's my collection. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even think of anything good. Can I want to think of any something that I, I got Thrifty or Thrifting or the other part of me thinks something with in-game mechanics that are uh, to do with deals or something like that. But honestly, I can't really think of anything great. And the last word is dork. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. <laughs> uh, I'd say Willie Beamish. Okay, so if you listen to the other episodes, you know that I'd like to start with the first gaming memories. Again, I had to think about this ahead of time, but I had been thinking about this recently as well. So probably the first game I would have ever played, I think, at least um, PC console type games, other than board games and such, right? Or even uh, handheld games, but uh, mixed up Mother Goose or Frogger on the Tandy 1000. Um, my mother had her own business and she had 
a Tandy for doing her accounting on. Um, I don't know whatever brought her to be kind of computer literate at that time because it just out of character. We lived on a farm and she was a hairdresser, so it made no sense at all. But we had a computer and Tandy 1000 is what it is. And my uh, I think my uncle had given us a lot of games uh, uh, for that, you know, copied games, copy that floppy. <laughs> so mix up Mother Goose and Frogger are, are two of the original ones I remember on that. What's, you, you mentioned something that I'm not super familiar here. So the 21,000. Tandy 1000, sorry. Tandy, Tandy 1000, sorry. Oh, yeah. Tandy. Yeah. Tandy. Yeah. I think it was a Radio Shack brand. Oh, okay. Or Radio Shack later bought them. I don't know a lot about Tandy other than that. Tandy 1000. So it says um, that it's an IBM PC compatible. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is, I guess, DOS? Yeah. It ran DOS or maybe even something close to DOS. I can't remember if it was actually DOS. If it was, if it was IBM compatible, it would be able to run DOS. Yeah. I just can't remember. Very interesting. This is the first time that this has come. And, and you say that you, you were living on a farm, like in an actual... Yeah, my dad had uh, cows and pigs. And that was the main source of income or your main activity from, from the family? Yeah, yeah. My mother was a hairdresser and she had her salon out of the house. But of course, it didn't make nearly as much money as a, as a farm did. Um, we later moved off the farm because farming got hard. Um, it's, it was hard to be profitable unless you had a huge operation. So we, we eventually moved to the to town and my dad got a job elsewhere. Yeah, and before this time, was your family doing this for several generations or? Uh, yeah, we, we lived on the farm my dad grew up on. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was, there was a break in there. He had gone and done lots of other jobs before because he had 13 brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. So from him to the youngest, I think there's like a 10 to 15 year difference or something like that. Um, so obviously he couldn't just move into the farm after everyone moved out, but uh, later on, I don't know when for sure my parents bought the family farm off my grandparents. Mm -hmm. I believe that's exactly how it went. I don't think there's anyone in between. This computer came out like in the early 80s, kind of like 1983, 84. We're talking about kind of like those years. Well, I was born in 84, so I don't know exactly when we had the computer, but I know we were on that farm until 1993. At, at that time, that was the only computer we'd had so far. Okay, so we're talking about the 80s and you're living your life, normal life, which is in a farm. And then one day you say your mom brings a computer. Yeah, I always remember the computer just being there. I don't oh, remember okay. so... it ever showing up. It just, to me, in my mind, it was always there. Okay. Um, but it could just be that we got it at a time when I was too young to realize. I, I don't remember for sure. I know exactly what room it was in at first and then it was moved to another room. Um, <laughs> but I don't remember when it showed up or when we even started playing it. I just remember us playing those games on it. Um, and Mix Up Mother Goose was, um, it looked very like the first um, the first Leisure Suit Larry type graphics, obviously not the same kind of game, but it was literally like um, Mother Goose stories, but they were all messed up and you had to find things in the world, like a point and click game and return them to the correct story in the world. Sorry if I keep coming back to this, but it's very interesting to me. So you don't remember when this computer was brought to the house. So it's probably just, you know, part of your, your environment growing up. There was this computer. And um, now I know for a fact because I, I did play games in around these times. And, you know, it's not as easy to launch a game. It's not as easy as turn on the computer as it is now. Because I remember, you know, you have to put in the floppy with the boot up disk and then you let it run and then it loads up the operating system, then you kind of like change this in the middle. Sometimes, you know, it can be more complicated than that. 
and then you have yeah. to like put a floppy and then type you know the the command to to launch the game now you're and you're telling me that this is your like first gaming memories like how was that yeah. like boot up process <laughs> i don't remember if we did the boot up process or if we had our parents do it for us I but see. it was four of us kids uh, i'm the youngest uh, okay. um, i know my sister was interested in the games but i don't think my other two brothers were that interested in those games um they they were but i'd have to ask them whether they played them much or not mm-hmm. i just remember my sister and i playing a lot actually another game that just came to mind was uh, uh alley cat i think it was i actually looked it up a couple months ago because i just it randomly came to my mind then and that was another game me and my sister really played a lot of but i don't remember my brothers really playing that much and my oldest brother is five years older than me so that's the kind of age gap there and how long did this pc phase lasted for like when were you introduced to other types of gaming so we got this we got this super nintendo my guess would be 92 mm-hmm. i believe we got that for christmas because 93 was a year my parents took us to uh, Disney, and that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been the same year that we got all that, because that's just crazy for my parents to even have saved up for that. My mom was big on Christmas gifts. She would save all year just to give us huge, a huge number of Christmas gifts. So, so you really did grow up playing this computer, right? Yeah, big time, yeah. And who asked for the next step? Like, who asked for the Super Nintendo? If if you know PC gaming that early on, like, I guess, like, a console is it's a weird thing, right? Yeah, my guess would be my brothers knew about it because uh, they were older. And I remember, for some reason, the Super Nintendo kind of being a joint gift for the two of them. That's just in the back of my mind. They later got an N64, and I think it was the same kind of thing where it was a gift for the two of them. And me and my sister were allowed to use it, but it wasn't really for us. We got other gifts because we were younger. Don't remember clearly. That's the problem. <laughs> I always mean to talk to them about this stuff because <laughs> uh, I did one time not not too long ago talk to them, maybe about two years ago, because the Cartridge Club was talking about that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I should actually find out. But I didn't find out enough information. Um, it's more questions that come up in my own mind as well. How do you think this influenced you now that you have more contact with gamers do you think it had any particular or special influence on you growing up playing on this kind of platform those kinds of games instead of like the usual in those times which would have been i guess the nes or maybe the, even the atari so my guess would be that it made me to- more tolerant to the kinds of problems you have on pc like having to literally type commands to get it to run and that was just the norm for me right um and I remember later, later on PC, my mom actually remembering or t- teaching me how to change the attributes on a file f- from read only. Like I literally remember my mom teaching me that. Um, but I'm pretty sure she said she learned that when she went back to school, um, because when I was, I don't know, maybe 12 or something like that, she went back to school to finish her grade nine. She had dropped out of school to do hairdressing school just before finishing grade nine. So, um, she did a lot of computer courses when she went back because obviously in where the hell that would have been 90, let's say 95 or something like that. It would have been more important for her to have computer skills to get a job if she was going to go out and get a job with these, uh, with her new high school diploma. Right. Um, you're saying a bunch of interesting things here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that being computer literate, like in the eighties, was so important and then you're also telling me that you were living on a farm and that your mom was a hairdresser and like like how to me is pretty notable that you were 
like a very computer literate family. Like that is pretty unusual. Yeah. And it's very unusual to have grown up on a farm being that way. I, I realize that it's just so commonplace to me that it's, um, or, or, you know, it's just my world. Right. Like you said, uh, but when I also think of my siblings, they didn't do the same kind of things. Like they didn't continue caring about computers that much. It was more of a, just get online to do what you need to do online or chat. Right. Um, whereas I continued at that, like from that point, digging deeper into computers. Okay. So this, this really did influence you to pursue something with technology later on. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was just having the Tandy, but I assume having the Tandy would have been an introduction to that world. And then when we got our first Pentium-based computer, there was um, I was even more interested in it. Uh, the point where when my parents bought their next computer, I took over the, the Pentium 75 megahertz, Pentium 1 75 megahertz machine. And that became my computer when they upgraded to a Pentium 3, I think. No, Pentium 2 it would have been. But anyway. What kind of things were you and the family doing with the computer apart from, from running some games? Well, my mom like used it, used it for accounting up until a point. I don't remember when she stopped doing her own accounting, but I do remember having Windows ninety five. My brother, I don't remember how he did it at the time because it was not easy to do. But he had ripped a part of a song off a uh, Collective Soul CD. This would have been like Windows ninety five, so let's say ninety eight at the latest, maybe for him to be doing this. And we he set up the Windows startup sound to be the Collective Soul. I think gel. The beginning of the song the first 10 seconds or so and I, that still reminds me of doom <laughs> because of starting that starting that up to play doom uh and it's around the same time we must have got doom from a cousin or something like that because we never really bought games for the pc at that time we did later on but uh most of the stuff up to that point we had just gotten from some other family member or my neighbors at some time did too but not until later they got a com i don't know if they even had a computer before that or not but so were you the kind of kid that was like taking computers apart and stuff like that. Yeah, and I can't remember when I started doing that. I know when when that was our primary computer, I don't think my parents would have let me take it apart. But uh, when DVD burner, or sorry, when CD burners first came out, we had picked up a uh, two by two by eight burner. We all went in on it together. Um, it was like four hundred and seventy dollars for this thing, and I remember. I'm pretty sure I remember installing it, or maybe my my mother's friend installed it or something. I don't remember how it got installed. I do remember my my mother's friend installing a joystick for me because I had problems with installing a Sidewinder joystick on Windows 95 to play Earthworm Jim on Windows or on DOS. You being pretty used to computers, its components and how it works, like when you got introduced to consoles, did you see consoles as computers? The view would have been different. Yeah, I mean, later, definitely. Uh, like, especially when it comes to the original Xbox, that was just a computer. But uh, thinking of, like, N64, because we had N SNES, N64, uh, and those were the only consoles we had when we were kids that our parents kind of gave us and stuff. After that, it was all buying ourselves. So you guys were, like, into the Nintendo camp at the very least in those two generations? Yeah. We hadn't even heard of Genesis, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> What are the kinds of games that you guys were, were playing? Your, your favorites growing up? My cousins also got an NES after we had had the SNES. I think they're, they, they had seen what we had and wanted a game system as well. So their mother went out and got them an NES. And that actually brought us, in, or introduced us into the older games, which was 
kind of interesting having played SNES. But uh, when we were kids, the games that we had, I think, were Tetris for SNES. Um, of course, Super Mario World, we played lots. Uh, and Donkey Kong Country we had, for sure. Um, and Turtles in Time. But I think Turtles in Time we probably got later on, my guess, because just the memories I have it are, are, are different and later. But I definitely remember playing lots of Turtles in Time cooperative and uh, all of us sitting around playing Super Mario World at the uh, in the farmhouse, uh, just, you know, kind of taking turns. I remember one time walking in on my dad playing Tetris, which was mind blowing to us because he had never played video games at all. Um, and Tetris to this day is the only real video game he plays other than this one Cabela's, I think, duck hunting game for Wii he's obsessed with. But uh, my cousins had the NES, as I said. And they had uh, Blades of Steel. Uh, they had Carmen San Diego, but that game was pretty complicated, I think, and we never really played it. They had uh, Double Dragon 2, I believe, because I think it was two players at the same time, if I remember correctly. Uh, they still have this NES as well. Um, and I still have our original SNES and N64. Oh, My great. brothers had no, no interest in keeping mm-hmm. them at all. Uh, the SNES did die sitting in a box over the years, just probably moving with me everywhere I moved. But um, I swapped the main board out from one I picked up at a garage sale. So it still works. It's in the original housing, but the original one died. I've kept it just in case I get ambitious and want to fix it someday. Did you see games in general as the same thing, like the console ones and the PC ones? Or was there some sort of a clear differentiation between these are the kinds of games that you play on a console and then these are the kinds of games that you play on a PC? I don't remember there being much difference, uh, especially later on when I started playing D games again, because I feel like the Tandy was old by the time we got the SNES and the games on the Tandy probably didn't really get played much anymore after we got the SNES. Then we moved and then we probably got the newer PC after that. Um, and I can't remember what games we would have played on the PC then. My guess is that's probably around the time that I got the Earthworm Jim game uh, and then probably uh, got introduced to to Red Alert. Um, I remember playing Red Alert a lot and Red Alert 2 later on and then the expansions and stuff. But uh, in that way, the types of games are different, right? You're looking at strategy games versus platformers, really, because we never had platforms, platformers much on the PC. Um, Frogger, you could argue, is a horizontal one. but So in that way, the, the, the types of games would be different and also... On the PC at that time, there wasn't really multiplayer, so your multiplayer games would all be console as well. Like Turtles in Time would have been the main one for us then, for multiplayer. But uh, I didn't see one as being better or different that much than the other, just that there were different types of games or different options as much as you would say, I want to play this game and it's only on Genesis or this game and it's only on SNES. Like, it wasn't so much as one being better or, or worse, it was just the different options. Thank you.
let's move a little bit more in time and in your life to like uh let's move to to a different time where we stop being like kids and you know some people grow out of toys and, and video games and stuff like that like i know i didn't <laughs> again um how was it for you that that specific you know aspect of growing up i don't remember ever getting out of games um i remember high school elementary school definitely played games quite a lot high school played games then we actually had a uh, video game club at the at lunchtime we also get together and play uh, descent 2 and bomberman on the school network uh, and the teachers were okay with that there was a few teachers that would supervise it over their lunch but um and then i had friends that played games in high school as well we would get together and do land parties that i organized um and just everybody brings their pc to someone's house and play land do a land party mm -hmm. uh we did that about i, I would say we did that about th three or four times throughout high school mm -hmm. maybe it was hard to organize of course because we were kids no cars that kind of stuff you want to take the computer and do what <laughs> that kind of stuff so yeah yeah i don't remember ever getting out of out of video games uh toys is kind of different i think i got away from toys a little bit for a while but i still like my toys turned more into like tinkering with electronics and things like that and were you hanging out with the dorky kids or stuff like that like the nerdy ones or i hung out with pretty much everybody there was a group of dorky kids that were kind of like the av club ones that i was friends with but i didn't hang around with them often then there was kind of the not cool kids but we're not we're not dorks and we're not losers whatever you want to say <laughs> kind of in the middle was where i hung out okay but i still was friends with pretty much everybody unless there were the cool kids that were assholes, those are the ones I didn't talk to. <laughs> what role did gaming had in that like social structure growing up for you? Um, so there was a land parties with those friends, uh, but that wasn't that often. It did actually introduce me to, to new friends because someone who was in the nerdier club would uh, say, can this guy come? He plays games too, that kind of thing. Um, but day to day at school, I don't remember really talking to other kids about gaming at all what was the role of gaming of you you know choosing your own career path um well i had chose to do computer network engineering technician for my program for for college um and i had two guys that i was friends with in high school that did the same thing actually three because one's a cousin of the other one and i kind of knew him but uh so we actually all got an apartment together or a condo or whatever together in toronto and uh went to school for the exact same program in the same year and lived together so we were still playing games talking about games and everything then uh because they were in college and they were a little less nerdy than me at least two of them were uh they tend to go out and drink more and i would just stay home and play on the internet or play games um I just had no interest in the drinking uh, by that point already. And so I didn't go out and do that stuff. So I would stay home and fiddle with computers or um, I actually also built computers for people a few times, including those guys um, when in college. So someone would ask me to build them a computer and I'd put together, price it all out, build it, and then give it to them, set it all up and stuff. But, um, and those were, I think two of those guys I did that for. And, uh, yeah, they, they just did the kind of normal college stuff and I 
I, I don't remember what games I would have even played. I know I lo- watched a lot of movies back then um, on the internet or from the internet because that was my way to get things like that. Um, and I was getting introduced into a lot of movies I had never seen before. Um, that's actually when I first found what movie I would say is my favorite movie, which is Boondock Saints. Uh, kind of just going through movies that I'd never heard of or never seen. But I can't remember how much gaming I was actually doing then. I, w- I would assume a fair amount, but I don't remember actually buying new games. And I was building, I built my own uh, new computer for college. And I know it was capable of gaming. I must have been gaming. I just don't remember anymore. It's been so long. So you're like a technical guy. Of course, there's like a reason, you know, to be surrounded by all these things, you know, the uh, you know, gaming, networking, they, they go hand in hand, especially if you're having like LAN parties and stuff like that. And you had experience, yeah. you know, doing this, th- those kinds of things. And then the internet comes, uh, it opens up a whole new world. Is this where your, your handle was born? Uh, how do you pronounce it first? <laughs> it's not even pronounced. It's just initials. If you're talking about DEGE13. That's how you think about it, the EG thirteen. That's how I always think about it. Yeah, because that's how it was created. Was just my initials. So that's not even my first handle online either. That's like my third, I think, email address. The first Yahoo I remember creating, I think, was Top Dog DX, mm-hmm. which is a very loaded bunch of information uh, <laughs> to me because Top Dog was spelled D A W G, just like the Q dogs. It was from a piece of clothing that I had that was branded Top Dog. I don't know why I picked that. It was just like a shirt that I liked or was my favorite, maybe. And I only had one shirt by this brand because my mother started selling clothes in her salon and she got a bunch of these clothes from some outlet or something to sell. And we grabbed all the stuff we wanted first. And that was one of the things. Um, And I remember that being my first Yahoo account, which I think I still have. No, I think anyway. Um, so that was one name, and then I also, I think even maybe before that or whatever, whenever Hotmail came out, before it was Microsoft, obviously, and uh, I, I had created a, an account that was SWAT underscore eight at Hotmail dot com because I liked the game SWAT. I can't remember if it was SWAT four. I think it was SWAT four, but all the other numbers were already taken, so I got up to SWAT eight, and that was the one that was available. So I had that name for a while as well, but it was, it was more of an email address than a persona. But uh, then I don't remember when I, I recreated that or recreated that email account for some reason. Uh, and that's when it became DEGE13. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to see when the, my Hotmail was created for that, but then my Gmail is just a derivative of that. And then my usernames are all from that as well. But uh, I have several other usernames. Um, like DJ Chu is oh, yeah, one, yeah. uh, but that also comes derived from top dog. So top dog. Oh, I never explained the DX part. So DX was relating to, uh, degeneration X and WWF wrestling, uh-huh. but it also came from a hacker group that I was a- associated uh-huh. with, but I was never a hacker. I was like the younger kid that was trying to learn from people. Um, so there's that. And it was basically through IRC, I believe, when I was basically obtaining movies and music and stuff. Um, met some guy and invited me to be in this group and changed my username and stuff like that and became cool. Um, <laughs> and then uh, then the Top Dog DX changed to Chewy Dog when I was in high school. 
that's also loaded. So the dog continued over from top mm-hmm. dog, but chewy dog was, I don't remember why, but there was a statement made by my girlfriend at the time in grade nine that I was chewy. Don't know what it came from or what she meant, but it just stuck because the one guy in grade nine, um, I, one of the guys that I later went to college with, um, Mike, started calling me Chewy all the time. Um, and that was actually, I think, <laughs> after he had called me Spike because I had spiky hair in grade nine. So when he met me, I had really like long spiky mm-hmm. hair. Um, so he called me Spike for, for half a year and then he started calling me Chewy. Um, and Chewy just stuck forever with him. I think he's, if he saw me now, he'd probably still call me Chewy. Um, so Chewy Dog. And then after that, I was getting into uh, car stereo stuff and bass music and decided to make my own music. I was DJ Chew from Dog. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're also making music, eh? Yeah, I did. I did do. I did a CD, <laughs> <laughs> which I actually still have. I found it a couple months ago. But it's, it's basically like I sat down with a piece of software that you live put in uh, loops or samples and just play them back and make your music and it records it and make songs out of it. So I did that with my cousin and then with another friend of mine and kind of made, I made names for them as well. Um, and we made songs on that. And then I also, because I was into the, the subwoofer stuff with bass competitions as well in high school, I created the last, I think the last 50 tracks are different frequency tones and uh, subwoofer tests, like just ones that make your subwoofer work really hard. So you're outputting stuff like you, you've always been like creating stuff and being part of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's I have to do it kind of thing, you know, uh-huh. I have to do something. Uh, the music thing was I, I wanted to see if I could make music. And I bought this program because I wanted to. I think it was called Mixman Studio. I believe that's what it's called. And you literally put your fingers on the on the keyboard like a circle they had an optional accessory you could buy that had buttons that looked like turntables and you'd press the buttons to cue up the sounds or to loop the sounds so it was like that but you controlled it with your keyboard if you didn't have their optional accessory i still have the cd for that application as well do you also do programming i've done programming um myself i i usually just do it when i need when i need like easy scripts I'm just doing VB scripts because VB is what I learned. And like VB six was what I learned in high school. Uh, we had a teacher that, that was really good about teaching that kind of stuff. Um, he was a dick every other way, but he was really good about teaching that. And he, he, he had uh, strong programming uh, values. Like he, he saw it important for kids to learn how to program. So our, our computer class taught programming as part of it. Most kids kind of just, you know, did the bare minimums and what they had to, but me and a friend of mine, uh, Jason, uh, were really interested in it. It, we kind of became the roles of programmer for him and tester for me because he would create something and I would find the bugs for him. Him and I created a pretend company called Jaster, Jason Derrick, and uh, started creating games. We created a website that was like under, I can't remember if it was under like Hotbot or Am- uh, Angel Fire or one of those hosting companies and started putting our applications up there for anybody, hoping that someone would discover something we did good. Um, and he he did most of the programming or I would create the odd thing as well. And then... Uh, I would also modify his stuff. I, I also tend to be better at modifying people's existing code or finding sample code and making it work. 
kind of the way I go about programming these days. So you have dabbled with game development somehow. Yeah. So I created a, a horse racing game. It was mm-hmm. very simple, just images. You move across the screen at random rates and whoever wins, like you place your bets before you start and you get a payout at the end if you bet on the winning race, winning, winning horse. Um, I think I actually did that for my mother's birthday. We did a casino for her birthday. So I <laughs> made this game and created, I put a computer there in the casino where people could bet on and then they just, you know, take their winnings basically. Did making a game change your perception of video games in general? I would think so. I can't see how it wouldn't because you see more of what goes into it. And I mean, there's still this one game idea that I had back then that it still bothers me that I couldn't figure out the math behind it or what it was basically I was trying to figure out how to do physics of a truck driving through mud, <laughs> but yeah. I still couldn't figure out the, a, a, an easy way to do that. Um, yeah. But, and, and that one still bothers me because I can't figure out in my mind what all equations I need to figure out for all those things. But aside from that, yes, I mean, uh, I making a game and figuring out what goes into the game, especially with a friend who was better at it, um, makes you respect games a whole lot more. Cause my friend actually got started in high school. Uh, he did his first 3d game and that was just miles above everybody else. And he did it in VB, right? So he's using DirectX, calling DirectX and creating, um, creating 3d objects and moving them around and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, him be so much better and seeing how he did it was like, wow, this is what you can do. <laughs> like, I could never even fathom what I need to do next steps to get to that point. So, uh, yeah, it gives you a new respect for, for games. Yeah. And I guess it's the same for, for computers and animation and all these things. Like, I, I feel like, uh, there's a, a general misunderstanding of no, well, I don't know if it's a misunderstanding or it's just people being out of context, you know, when they, they talk about or criticize certain things and don't really appreciate, you know, the, the amount of effort that goes into stuff. Like, I re- it really gets me, for example, when, when people dismiss games or animation as being something like a toy or something like that. Like, it's like a lesser thing in life where you know that it's so, so hard to make, right? Yeah. Even just editing a YouTube video is just exactly. so much of a time yeah. suck. And so many people do it nowadays with ease and it and there's such volume that it seems like it's really easy or that there's no real work there. And some people just don't get it if they've never done it or you do it, but you do a bad job then it seems easy. But then you, when, if you look back on that and want to improve on it, then you see how much deeper it can get. Something that people take for granted, you know, carrying a smartphone nowadays, they're very, very powerful computers. From cell phones. I had a very unique perspective on that because I actually worked for Blackberry about uh, 10 years ago doing customer support and got to see, you know, these, these devices that were basically for the elite at the time become more mainstream as I worked there and then become, become more powerful. Cause I mean, the first Blackberries that I worked with, not the really old pager ones, but the the next ones were, were running Java. They were just Java virtual machines running the whole operating system and all the applications and the phone and, text messaging and uh, emailing and calendar and everything. Um, so seeing that grow, let alone they weren't even color screens, they were black and white, right? <laughs> yeah. And grow to what they are. 
So you got to see like the rise and fall of. Oh of, yeah, <laughs> really, really hard, right? <laughs> yeah, six months or no, a month before I started there, they had just stopped giving stock options to new employees, mm -hmm. like stocks as part of your pay, and also a month before I started working there, the company had paid for everybody to see um, Aerosmith in concert. So it was like the heyday. I mean, we did get to, when I was there, see Van Halen and Tragically Hip and concert, and the company just paid for all of us to go to Toronto and go see this concert. It was not quite the same as, as just a month before I started already. The, it was turning more into a call center in the tech support area where they're just trying to fill seats and catch up with demand. Um, and then there's the other problems that happen later on. <laughs> Yeah, because BlackBerry for a while, maybe a couple of years before the iPhone came out in 2007, yep. like it was the most used in, especially in like in, bus in business, right? Yeah, in business and by celebrities. Yes. Uh, everybody. <laughs> it was it was big. It yeah. was amazing to see that and to be part of it. And then to see all the choices that I didn't agree with that I think would have helped the company do better when things didn't make sense like be, being told there will never be a camera on a blackberry and no we won't put the mp3 player feature and you guys are asking for to us employees because we wanted that stuff we we got these devices for free to carry we were every blackberry employee was given a handheld and it was paid for by the company including the cell phone bill uh so we wanted these devices in our pockets to be able to do as much as possible and we knew the software was capable and the developers were in-house, let alone the hardware guys, were all in-house. They just needed to agree to do it. And we were being told by management that that's not going to happen. The Department of Justice does not want their devices to have a camera, therefore none, none of them will. <laughs> and like um, Samsung, or not Samsung, uh, some big company, let's say a big bank, doesn't want cameras on their phone because it's a security risk. So we won't put that in there. And that we don't want to put development time to an MP3 player because nobody wants that in business. <laughs> yes, it's, it was just a complete, completely different vision of what this kind of device was going to be in the near, near future. Like not even yeah. because devices were already doing that kind of thing, right? With the Sony Ericsson's. And... <laughs> just when I started there, I bought myself a Sony Ericsson. And nowadays, like you see these devices and like, for example, the, the launch of the the newest iPhone. Like, what is what is it that they're promoting? They're not even promoting the software anymore. It's just a picture of the three cameras in the back, right? It's, it's yep. like, that's what they're doing. Like, that's <laughs> what, what the market is right now is, you know, you put more cameras and... <laughs> yeah, more cameras, better cameras, different cameras. <laughs> thrifting part like what's yeah i mean i never really went to thrift stores uh, because i hadn't thought of what i could find there i guess 
kind of just mm -hmm. pictured thrift stores as, you know, clothes and maybe some old broken toys, if anything. I don't know if I thought of toys there, but um, after being married, my wife, uh, I guess she had, she'd probably told me about the local thrift stores, what there were for options. And she also told me about garage sales. Uh, I had known garage sales existed, but to me, it was a place to sell your stuff you didn't want anymore. And that's all we ever used it for when we when I lived uh in, in town, I'll call it, <laughs> after the farm. And so I remember my parents doing garage sales. And to me, a garage sale was, like I said, ways of selling things, not a way of obtaining things you might want. I never thought of that way um, until my wife was talking about her and her mother going garage sale together because that's something they had done uh, since she was young. Just going garage sales together, going to thrift stores together, finding deals and finding things that they wanted. And I never even thought that there could have been video games at either one of those things. Um, nor even that at that time that I would want old video games. Um, I do remember being, uh, living in the town I live in now and wanting a, to go back and get uh, old video games. I actually bought a GameCube off Kijiji. Uh, no, I bought GameCube games off Kijiji. Traded my brother an old iPod that I had for his GameCube. And I bought games off Kijiji. I think that was around 2004, 2005. It's my guess. When I actually started getting back into console games. That's around the time I think I asked my brothers, where are old consoles? Um, but anyway, that's Kijiji. That's another thing. But then my wife told me about, well, I didn't meet her until later. Though. I can't remember how it worked out. But anyway, my wife's really the one that told me about thrift stores. We started mm -hmm. going to thrift stores I, and garage sales was later as well. Um, but I can't put a year on either one. I think I was already collecting games before I started doing the garage sales and, and um, garage sales and thrift stores. I just can't remember what year that would have been. Seeing, seeing CJR garage selling actually was maybe part of it too. Cause I think I'd seen his YouTube videos. Um, I, I have no idea what year though. That's the end of my thought. <laughs> what is it about thrifting that is so compelling for you? Because I think your podcast, Dollar Dorks, specifically, right? Um, it's a lot about, you know, thrifting, right? Yeah. So the, the podcast also came partly on because of my spreadsheet and talking about tracking my collection, making sure the whole thing is free. And that actually tra traces back to paintball gear. I think I had mentioned that several times now, but I had started out with... Uh, wanting to paintball and realizing I could buy things, either fix them, clean them, or just flip them uh, to get myself better gear. Um, so I did that for several years and that kind of was all Kijiji because uh, Facebook Marketplace didn't exist. And I think it would have been hard to find paintball gear at thrift stores and garage sales, but I hadn't been looking at that time. Um, so paintball gear, buying and selling, built myself uh decent uh kit from that and then when the games game video game stuff came up as interest for me that i thought well i'll just do the same thing i did with paintball i'll buy sell fix clean whatever i need to do to pay for my own stuff to get better um get more and more games for myself and and not have to you know take money out of my daily income to do that um and that worked out pretty good uh -huh. um and that's kind of spiraled into the the podcast um yeah and and also the experience from doing it 
also spiraled into the podcast is, is yeah, I've learned all these things and maybe I can pass on some of this, this, this stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I know that I wasn't going to do a podcast at all. I really had no interest, but people kept asking questions or being interested in where I was finding things and what I was finding and how you take this and flip it into that kind of thing, or even sell on eBay. Um, and I had talked to P1 of the Cartridge Club, Sean, and he basically talked me into doing the, the podcast. He was at EB Games, um, his local EB Games, talking with a friend of his, and uh, I had already had two dorks, the YouTube channel, and uh, he was not really doing much because my brother-in-law lost interest, but uh, I was trying to think of a name that I would even do in a podcast if I did. And then they said dollar dorks. And I'm like, it was, I think it was his friend that thought of it, the guy that worked at EB Games. And I'm like, damn it, now I have to do it. So <laughs> kind of spiraled from there. And then Sean's also the one that uh, told me to get in contact with Chris Roberts after I had done my podcast for several episodes where I had rotating guests, um, which was honestly a lot of work to get rotating guests. So that was part of the problem. Um, and then also the, the knowledge that Chris Roberts had to share on the podcast was, was, uh, also a lot of help because then I wasn't either doing it myself or relying on different guests every week to, to come up with content with me. Um, so this is the final part of the conversation. Um, it is, you know, 10 questions. And again, no right or wrong answers. Um, are you okay with the questions? Yeah, I cheated and already looked this up or thought about this. So I'm, I'm prepared. <laughs> the first question is a game you love. Gary's Mod. A game you hate. No one's going to know this game, but it's called Wrecked. Get your ship together. It's a VR game, and it made me feel physically sick to try to play that VR game. I hate it so much. Games-wise, what turns you on? Uh, multiplayer and co-op. Like in general, or? Yeah, I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to play a video game, I would rather play with someone than alone. Anytime. What turns you off? Uh, unskippable cutscenes. Ah, those are the worst. worst. A sound effect that you love. Footsteps in Call of Duty 4. Um, with headphones, because you know exactly where the person's located. They do such a good job with locating the sound, like with making it sound like it's in the place it is. And that, I really like that. Especially when it means I can kill the guy, right? <laughs> a sound effect that you hate. Uh, any dying sound in any Mario game, because I suck at platforming. Your favorite in-game power-up or weapon? Ah... Uh, in Serious Sam, most of the guns are awesome. I mean, there's lots of things I could think of for other games, but I can't think of exactly what. I'm just going to say, like, any game in Serious Sam. <laughs> any gun in Serious Sam, sorry. A game character that you would like to be? Sackboy um, from Little Big Planet, because he can customize himself and his world. It's just a neat idea. A game character that you would not like to be? 
Super Meat Boy. Because <laughs> I don't want to go through that much dying. <laughs> and the last question is, imagine you could play any game, real, unreleased, imaginary. What game would that be? So, basically anything that's cross-platform, multiplayer, free-to-play, and fun. If I had to give it a name, I'd call it Team Fortress 3.